Thank you, Michelle. Last week we got Joe. This week we got Michelle. Next week, Jackson and Margaret. Yeah. Hey, be good. Be better than me, I'm sure. <clears throat> well, welcome to Lone First Baptist Church. My name is Patrick, and I am excited to be with you this morning. Uh, I am excited to share what God has placed on my heart to share with you this morning. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 11. We're going to be in verses 28 through 30. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 11. As you turn there, I do want to just invite you. Next Saturday, we are kicking off our upward basketball season. Maddox and Jonas are planning at 9 a.m. So get up, get early out there. Come watch a little bit of basketball. If you didn't get enough Kentucky basketball yesterday, and get a little basketball this Saturday. Jack will be there pretending to play basketball the entire time. Uh, poor guy has literally spent his entire childhood watching Maddox and Jonas play ball. But one day he will get a chance. Uh, well, we are getting to start next week after having to take a two-week pause. We had to hit the pause button for a couple of weeks because of dun-dun-dun COVID, right? Like who else is tired of talking about COVID? Anyone? Amen? I mean, golly, we are still talking about COVID. We're, we're pausing mostly because of quarantine, but here it is two years and 10 days later, and we are still talking about COVID. The first case, as you remember, was confirmed in Kirkland, Washington on January 21st, two years and about 10 days ago. And I don't know about you, but at that point in time, I was not really watching it, not paying attention to the news. I was not worried at all. I don't know about you. So just for fun, and now you're thinking this is not going to be fun, but just for fun, Let's just recap the last couple of years as we've walked through in COVID. So it all started January 21st, two years and 10 days ago. A month later, February 21st, the director of the CDC says we are likely in for a pandemic. Again, I don't watch the news. I'm not worried. I don't even know what's happening. Abby may have told me, but I don't remember it at all, right? About a week later, my brother-in-law sends me a text, and it says something like this. As a somewhat logical father, which I resent that word somewhat, but he said, as a somewhat logical father on a scale of one to 10, how worried are you about COVID? And my response was a negative three, okay, to be completely honest. And it, it's, it's kind of crazy to say that now. If I only knew then what I know now, I would have probably curled up in the fetal position, right? Uh, but March 13th, we move on. Trump declares it a national emergency, and things really begin to speed up. NCAA tournament gets canceled. Kids get sent home from school to flatten the curve. Remember that? Uh, restaurants get shut down. Barbershops shut down. This is the beginning of the quarantine haircut. I got one. You got one. They did not look good, but we did it, right? We got through it together, right? Uh, toilet paper. Can't find it anywhere. Um, March 16th is the first Sunday that we go online here at Lone Oak First Baptist Church. April 1st, a travel advisory goes into effect, canceling everyone's spring break plans, and kids are sent home from school for the rest of the year. They're not going back, right? Uh, it was, we all, and we all go into quarantine mode. It was, uh, it was crazy, right? We all learn new words like quarantine, unprecedented. How many times did you hear that word during those times? Uh, social distance. Words that we never used before now become common vernacular. Also, let me remind you that during that summer, the very painful and challenging issue of racism in America reemerges from the deaths of Ahmaud Aubrey, who was chased down and shot while jogging near his neighborhood, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd. 
Deaths that sent our country into turmoil with protests against the police that turned into riots, that turned into entire cities being occupied. Like, it's crazy to think that that happened, but it did. And it was challenging, to say the least, challenging to try to understand what it all meant, challenging to understand who was right, who was wrong, challenging to explain to my two sons the very real issue of racism in our country, and that despite what Nickelodeon might say, the police are still good. But back to school we go. And like I said before, uh, we were learning new words like social distancing, and we learned actually some new curse words in my house, like NTI. Anybody? <laughs> Yeah, uh, not fun. Yeah, it doesn't stand for not fun, but it should, right? Uh, we're at home doing school. Kids aren't getting to see their friends. Uh, it was a beatdown, to say the least. That was a tough year. All the while, family members and friends are getting sick and even passing away from COVID. We get to that next summer, finally, and things seem to be getting better. But then what happens? Delta shows up. And everyone who didn't get sick before is now getting really sick. And some of them are even passing away. A tornado hits just a few months ago, right? And not just any tornado, but the deadliest in Kentucky state history. And now here we are, we're on to Omicron, right? And many of our friends and family are back in quarantine. All of this on top of all the normal struggles of life, right? Like it's not like our normal problems took a time out. You know, you're playing at recess, it's like, time out, I need a break. No, there's no time out. All the normal problems continued on top of everything else that we're dealing with. And just rehashing the last two years, I can look out there and I can see some of you are like twitching, right? Because you got like PTSD. And I'm kidding, but like seriously, you might have PTSD. Uh, if you look up studies on mental health, every category of negative mental health is, has increased. Depression and anxiety are on the rise at historic rates. I think if I were to sum up all of the emotions of the last two years into one word, it would be this, tired. We're tired. We're all very tired. And I'm not just talking about the sleepy tired, although some of you, the most healthy thing you could do and possibly the most spiritual thing you could do this afternoon is to take a nap. Just don't do it now. Amen. I got a couple of those. Yeah. Uh, what I'm talking about is soul tired, not just physically tired but soul-weary, energy-depleted, joy-stealing, soul-tired. The type of tired that even when you're in bed, you can't rest because you're anxious and your mind is restless. There's a difference in the physical tired that we are all from this, I think we'd agree, and the soul, spiritual, the spiritual deep soul-tired that we are. And it's not just rest from a good night's sleep that we need, but the soul rest that only comes from the peace of God. And the most famous passage where Jesus talks about this type of rest that we all need is in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Hopefully you've already found it by now. That will be our text this morning. You know this passage. You've heard this passage. You've probably heard it preached from this pulpit. Jesus promises not, to, not just a good night's sleep, but he promises rest for your soul. Read it with me. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come to me. Jesus' disciples are going every which way at this point. He's got unrepentant cities. He's got so much work to do. He's in charge of this huge ministry. People need healing. People need saving. But Jesus slows down and stops enough to remind us. Come to me. All of you who are weary and burdened, 
or heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What a promise, amen? Come to him. Are you weary? Are you burdened? Has this been a rough two years or maybe just a rough two weeks? The only place you're going to find rest is in Jesus. Come to him. You're not going to find it in a big bank account. You're not going to find it in the bottom of a bottle. Come to Jesus. That's where you're going to find that deep spiritual rest for your soul. Jesus' rest, it's like a warm blanket. You know what I mean? Like a Snuggie. Anybody got a Snuggie? It's like a warm blanket in your favorite chair sitting next to a crackling fireplace. Anybody got a favorite chair next to a fireplace? That's what I Sitting next to a fireplace that's crackling right. You're curled up with your phone or a good book or whatever. And you got a warm drink in your hand. There's freshly fallen snow outside and you look out there and there's a leaf that just falls softly to the ground, right? A bird is perched right outside the window. It's beautiful. The warmth of that blanket and the glow on your face from the screen or the fire that you're sitting next to, you're at peace. You're at rest. And you drift softly, ever so closely to sleep. So peaceful. The sole rest of Jesus is peace. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Next verse. All of you, take up my yoke and learn from me because I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for yourself. Like, what just happened, right? I was in Jesus' Snuggie. And then all of a sudden, I'm resting. All of a sudden, he hands me a yoke, a symbol of work. Like, it feels like the divine bait and switch, right? A symbol of, yoke, a symbol of work. Come to me if you're weary and heavy burdened. I will give you rest. Take this yoke, this symbol of work, right? Are you weary? Are you bur- Does your soul need a nap? Well, come to me, right? And take up my yoke. Is it just me, or do these two verses seem a little bit at odds, right? This is a yoke. I got a picture of it on the screen. I got one right here. This is actually my grandfather's yoke. He had big Belgium horses, and he would literally put this on that horse's neck to do work. That's what you do. You take a yoke, you put it over an ox or a cow or a horse or a mule, and then you attach a plow or a cart, and they do work. You wear a yoke to do work, not rest. And if you're not careful, it can feel a little bit like Jesus is calling the weary and the burden to himself only to give them a yoke and make them a beast of burden, right? That's what they call an animal that you put a yoke on and make them do work, a beast of burden, a burden of beast. And now, I'm being dramatic on purpose. I know you're shocked, but uh, I want to ask you, if if, if you'd be willing to admit, maybe, maybe not here at church, but would you be willing to admit, have you ever, at times, considered the Christian life to be a burden, to be burdensome? If you have... You're not alone. Many Christians do. In Psalm 73, even the psalmist cries out to God and basically says the same thing. Psalm 73, 3, he says, I envy the arrogant. I saw the prosperity of the wicked, for they have an easy time. Sunday mornings, be honest with me. 9 a.m. on Sundays is like 6 a.m. every other day of the week. Am I right? 
And by that, I mean like you get up, most of y'all get up every morning, get your kids ready to go to school. You get to work by seven, eight o'clock, no problem. But when Sunday comes, it feels like a burden to get out the door and to get to church. You might think to yourself, you may not say it, but you might think it would be so much easier to just sit and drink coffee like the pagans. An incorrect interpretation of this passage can make the Christian life feel like a burden. I don't know how many of you ever felt like this before. Uh, or maybe even worse, you had Christianity described to you like this when you first became a Christian. Go something like this. All right, now you're Christian. It's time to get to work. Put this yoke on. Let me put this burden on you. You got to start acting like a Christian now, right? And by the way, you can't just come to church. Now you've got to serve. No more sitting and soaking. We got stuff that you need to do. We need help in the nursery, right? John needs help in the children's ministry. Jamie needs you to teach a class. Joe probably needs you to drive a van for the youth. I'm looking for coaches and referees for upward. Mark needs somebody to be in the worship band. Are you serving enough? And it doesn't stop there. You, you got to do all this stuff at church, but you also got to take it home, right? Are you doing your family devotionals? No? Failure, right? Do you even have a prayer journal? I mean, come on, right? Oh, yeah. And by the way, all that hard-earned money you got, you got a tithe on top of that. And don't forget missions. Are you going on a mission trip? If you haven't, shame on you. And if you're not, you better be supporting somebody who is, right? And finally, forget about fun. You can't do anything fun anymore because fun, if it's fun, it's probably a sin, all right? So no more fun, all right? I hope that's not been your experience, but my bet is that at times it's felt that way before. And again, if we're not careful, Christianity can feel more like another yoke to pull, another burden to bear, just a list of rules, a list of do's and don'ts, right? So how then does verse 28's promise of rest line up with verse 29's commandment to take the yoke? How do these two go together? Come to me and you'll find rest. But take up my yoke and put on this symbol of work. Well, verse 30, I believe, begins to help us solve this riddle. Look at it with me. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. All of you, take up my yoke and learn from me, because I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for yourself. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. I want you to notice something. How many times does it talk about your effort? How many times is your effort mentioned in carrying the yoke? What's the emphasis? My yoke, my burden, and it's Jesus doing the talk. And he's saying, take Jesus's yoke, Jesus's burden. For everyone who has felt this burden and felt that religion has only weighed them down further, listen carefully, the burden is not going away. The law still demands perfection. The burden of holiness is still there. The Bible standards are not changing. But here's the key to all of it. And if you miss this, you miss the entire point of the sermon. It's just not your job to meet them. The burden's still there. The law still demands perfection. The requirement for holiness hasn't changed. It's just that Jesus met the requirement for you. Jesus met the demands of the law. He lived the perfect life. And he's, when he says, take up my yoke, he's not transferring that responsibility to you and putting the burden on you. He's offering to transfer all of his good works, all of his holiness, and all of his righteousness to you. He's saying, yoke yourself to me, and I'll do all the pulling. It's not this. 
It's not this single yoke that you have to carry on your own and do all the pulling. It's this on the screen. It's not a green screen. It's it's something else, I promise. There's more. It's there it is. Oh, we had it. We lost it. And we're back. All right. It's this. It's the double yoke, right? And that's you on the left, by the way. And Jesus says, take up my yoke and learn from me because I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest. It's not a yoke on your own. It's two, it's a double yoke, right? He's not saying take this burden and do all this work on your own. He's saying yoke yourself to me and I'll do all the work. I've actually already done all of the work. When a farmer is training a new cow or a new oxen on how to pull the plow or pull the wagon, they'll yoke a younger, inexperienced, weaker cow to an older, stronger, more experienced cow. And the younger, weaker cow, get this, literally does nothing. They do nothing. They contribute zero to the work. They just follow the older, stronger cow. The older, stronger cow does all of the pulling. The younger cow does none of the pulling. And at times, the older, stronger cow actually pulls the plow and the younger cow. This is what Jesus is saying. This is the picture he's painting for us. Come join me in my work. Yoke yourself to me and follow me. I'll do all the pulling. I'll provide all the power. Jesus didn't put the yoke on you. He put it on himself and offers to carry you alongside of him on his mission. Your job, my job, is not to wear the yoke and do great things for God. Our job is simply to be yoked to King Jesus. John 15 says this exact thing. Abide in me and I in you. Remain in me. Yoke yourself to me because apart from me, you can do nothing. Stay yoked to King Jesus. And the only problem with this, and I use that word problem loosely because it's only a problem for some. The only problem with this, when Jesus does all the work, Jesus gets all the credit, right? And for some, some self-righteous, they don't like that. For some, they like that single yoke. They like that recognition. They they don't want to share their efforts, and they don't want to share their glory, right? Well, God does not share his glory with you or with anyone. And that single yoke isn't a different version of Christianity. It's a version of self-centered, self-righteous, works-based religion that uses up all of your energy and takes you nowhere. You should repent now and yoke yourself to Jesus. Most of us, the vast majority of us, we feel the exact opposite, right? We feel like we're not doing enough. I'm not giving enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not enough. And the truth is that you're not enough. If your model is that single yoke, you're not going to pull enough. You're not going to be strong enough. You're not going to be able to do enough. You'll never be able to do enough. But who said that was your mission? Who said that was your job? Your mission is not to go and do stuff for Jesus. Your mission is to be yoked with Jesus abiding in him, remaining in him. He'll do the pulling. It's up to him. It's not up to us. It's up to Jesus. It's the difference between religion and the gospel, right? Tim Keller, a pastor and author, he puts it like this. He has this this chart, and and I stole it from him. He says, religion, it's on the screen, I obey, therefore I'm accepted, right? Like, I got to work real hard for the Lord so I can feel approved, by him. The gospel, on the other hand, says I am accepted 
and therefore I obey. My obedience comes as a result or response to my acceptance. I'm joining God in what he is already doing. Religion, motivation is based on fear and insecurity. I'm not enough, so I got to do more. I'm fearful. I'm insecure on my place with God, so I got to work harder. I got to do more. But the gospel says motivation is based on grateful joy. Jesus has done it. He said it's finished. He is enough, so I will rest in him. Religion says I obey God in order to get things from God. If I carry this single yoke and I do all this good stuff, maybe God will bless me and others will recognize me. But the gospel says I obey God to get more of God, to resemble him, to delight in him. I just want to be with my dad. I just want to spend time with my father. Religion, my identity and self-worth are based mainly on how hard I work or how moral I am. Does that ring any bells for anybody? I'll say it again. My identity and self-worth are based mainly on how hard I work. Working hard, I'm feeling good. If I'm not working hard, I'm not feeling so good. The gospel says my identity and self-worth are centered on who died for me. It's all about Jesus. I am saved by sheer grace, and only by grace I am what I am. See, it is my belief that when Christians feel burdened by the yoke of religion, it's because they are not wearing the double yoke of the gospel, right? Now, some of you, maybe if you're online, maybe you're sitting there and you're listening to all this, and you go, you know what, that's great and all, but I'm good. I don't really want to follow Jesus and, 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 you know, come under his authority. I don't want to serve the Lord and follow him. I want to be unyoked, right? I want to be a free-range cow, right? To left to my own devices, right? Well, this is what I would say to you. I love you, but you're delusional, right? I'm sorry, but you're delusional, okay? Uh, if, you, if you don't believe what I have to say or what the Bible has to say, listen to Bob Dylan. He says, you're going to have to serve somebody. Slow train coming, 1972. Some of you had his album, I'm sure, right? He said it, did he not? Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to serve somebody. And yes, sermon prep this week included listening to Bob Dylan, okay? It's a tough job. But he's absolutely right. You are going to serve somebody. You already are or you are going to be yoked to something or someone. Yoked to your passions, yoked to your addictions, yoked to money or possessions. Even if you're yoked to yourself, it's a form of being yoked. Everybody is going to serve someone or something. And right now, you are yoked to something or someone, and if it's not Jesus, it will lead to death. You can work all your life for sin and self, and your pension is death. It's not come under the authority of God or freedom. There is no freedom except under the authority of God. Under the authority of God, you are free to be who God created you to be, free from the power and condemnation of sin, free to love, to worship, to serve, and free from death itself. If God created you, ask yourself, how could I live my best life apart from him? You can't. Rather, abide in Christ. Abide in Jesus. Remain in him. Be yoked to Jesus. So what does that mean? Practically speaking, what does it mean to, be, to abide in Jesus, to be yoked to Jesus? Well, I would point mostly to your time with God, your daily time with God. And I'm not specifically talking about your quiet time, although I think those are good. I mean all day. 
Like, what is your, where is your mind? Where are your thoughts? Are you thinking about God? Are you talking to God? Are you praying to God? Do you lean into the things that stir your affections for God? Do you read your Bible? Or, or more importantly, do you actually meditate on what it says? Do you think about what you've read all day long? Are you clinging to him? Are you relying on him daily for the words that you speak and the attitude of your heart? See, I can't give you a 10-step guide to abiding in Christ. That would just be another yoke and more legalism. Abiding is all about the orientation of your heart, soul, and mind. Is your heart oriented towards God? Is your soul oriented? Is your mind oriented towards God? Are you looking for God? Are you considering his ways? Do you remind yourself what Christ did for you on the cross? St. Augustine said, our hearts are restless until they find rest in thee. What do you rest in? Your position, your possessions, your relationships? Until you rest in Christ, taking up his yoke, joining Jesus in his mission, you'll be restless and tired. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. All of you take up on my yoke and learn from me because I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for yourselves. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. One more analogy, and I'll be done. Being yoked to Jesus, it's kind of like, it's kind of like when I was four years old, and I had one of those little Fisher-Price uh, lawnmowers. Anybody ever have one of those in your kid? Or maybe you've actually bought one for your kids. We've, we've got them for our kids. But when I was four years old, I remember when my dad would fire up his real, like, big lawnmower, and vroom, right up his lawnmower, I'd get my little Fisher-Price lawnmower, and I'd fire that sucker up too, right? And he would hit the yard, and he would start mowing the grass. And what would I do? I would get my little Fisher-Price mower, and I would follow right behind him. We, we would, and we would mow the grass, right? Like he's mowing the grass with a real mower, doing real work. And I'm following probably too closely. I don't know where mom was, but I'm right there with her, right? With him, right? Mowing the lawn. Now imagine if after we got the whole yard mowed, right? And it's Kentucky. It's in the summer. The heat's brutal. We're all sweaty. And he's taking a break from actually mowing the lawn. And I'm taking a break from just being with him, Right? And we're both sitting there drinking lemonade, and, you know, he takes a drink, and then I take a drink. And if you have kids, I'm sure this exact scenario has played out at your house, right? And maybe it didn't involve lawnmowers and four-year-olds, but something maybe like that, right? And I'm sitting there with him, and my dad's drinking lemonade, and I'm drinking lemonade. And he wipes the sweat away from his brow, and I wipe the sweat away from my brow. And I say to him, after we've mowed the lawn together, right? I say, Dad, we sure mowed a great lawn, didn't we? Like anybody would say, we? Really? Like I probably got in his way more than helped him out, right? Like I couldn't even get outside of his tracks because the grass was too thick, right? I just literally followed him. But don't you know my dad, he had the grace to say, we sure did, son. Well done. And I just wonder, when the smoke clears and all the ministry's over and life as we know it here on earth is over and, and the ministry that we do and all the hard work, because every Christian in this room is a minister and is doing ministry, when all that ministry's over and we're face-to-face -face with our Lord, won't it be silly to say, 
we sure did a lot of ministry, didn't we, Lord? And we look at all the good work we did, right? Like, I don't know about you, but I've probably gotten the Lord's way more than I've helped. Like, honestly, I, the ministry that has happened has probably been in spite of me more than anything. Like, what can I do, right? I can't save a soul. I can't change a life. I can't turn someone from darkness to life, from death to life. I have no ability. I have no power. Only Christ does. But don't you know that our Lord will have the grace to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into your master's rest. Because, you know, the truth is that I was out there mowing the grass with my dad, not because I liked mowing the lawn or the summer heat, the humidity or the lemonade. What I liked, what I loved was my dad. And just being where he was and walking where he walked. Talk about restful work. That's the picture. That's the image that Christ wants for you. When he says, take up my yoke, that's the picture. It's not about impact. It's not about numbers. It's about abiding in Christ and following your heavenly dad. Joining him in his mission, being yoked to him, following in his footsteps. And that's my prayer for you this morning. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. All of you, take up my yoke and learn from me because I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for yourselves. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Would you please stand and bow your heads? If you're here this morning, or if you're joining us online and you're weary and you're burdened, come to Christ. He will give you rest. Quit running so hard in your own power and join God in his mission. Give your life to him. His yoke is easy because he'll be doing all the work. You just abide in him. If you want to make that decision this morning, I'll be down front along with some of our other ministers. We'd love to share with you how you can find the rest that is only found in Christ. Or if you're online or you don't want to come forward, you can simply text the word today to 270-398-5005 and we'll give you a call and share with you that same good news. Or maybe you're here and you just want to talk to somebody out at the Connection Center. We'll be right out there and come talk to us. We can share with you all about all this. Whatever decision God has laid on your heart, follow him today. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this word specifically, God, that you come not to lay a heavy burden on us, God, as some may feel, but you come to give us rest, the very rest of knowing you, the very rest of knowing that you have done it all, you've completed it all, and you said on the cross, it is finished, and you meant it. So God, I pray that we would all join you in your mission and give you our burdens. If there's someone here this morning who doesn't know you, Lord, in a personal way, God, we pray that today would be the day that they would give their life to you and find the rest that can only come from you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.